All right, so today I want to talk about a little video I saw called Personal Finance, How to Save, Spend, and Think Rationally About Money by Big Think. Big Think is the YouTube channel that I found it on. Personal Finance, How to Sp Save, Spend, and Think Rationally About Money. The person who I, I am quoting today is uh, Mr. Bruce Feeler, I think it must be, F-E-I-L-E-R. He wrote a book called The Secrets of Happy Families. It looks like it comes out this year, 2023, or maybe it's already come out. I'm not sure. I'm driving, so I didn't get a chance to really look at it too closely. I just am um, going to be quoting what he said in the video. So the if you want to visit that little section where he talks, it starts at about timestamp at the 11 minute timestamp on that video. And so as I talk about this, um, yeah, if you decide to go watch this afterwards, you can do so or go watch it now if you'd like. So, um, I may end up making this a beggar's bowl episode. If so, there will be links in the description where you can donate 50 cents if you feel so inspired. Um, or not. I'm not sure if it will be a beggar's bowl episode, but it is about finance, obviously, about um, thinking about money in the strange way that I think about money. All right, so the Mr. Feeler, if I'm pronouncing his name right, um, did a bunch of research about what made families happy, I'm assuming, because that's the name of his book. Um, and one of the sections in the book, it sounds like, talks about money. And so he did a bunch of research and he interviewed some people who had, um, uh, what, some of the people he mentioned uh, that he, he, um, he thought he could find a lot of, about um, how they dealt with money with their children would be people who were good at money, right? So he interviewed um, the guy who's the banker who helps, uh, who's the banker for Warren Buffett. And this guy, I guess, he advises uh, many of the richest um, people in America and in the world about how to invest their money. And um, what was interesting is the, the guy, Bruce Feeler, said that, um, or Feiler, whatever it is, he said that the, uh, what he found was that um, many of these, these um, wealthy families were no better at um, teaching their kids about money than poorer families. Um, and uh, Bruce said that after all of his research and, and looking everywhere, one of the things that he decided was a core principle was to limit the influence of money within the household. And, um, and so one of the ways that he did that, what he decided upon after all that research is that now in his home, there, is, there are chores and there is allowance, but the two are not interlinked. So he gives his kids some money and he has them do chores. And the reason he decided to do this is because what he found with his kids is that if you give them money for the sake of chores, they will do the chores solely for the purpose of getting the money. And he, and of course, he didn't want that. And so, you know, what, but what he, what he, you know, what the kids know now is it's like, yes, I'm going to give you some money so that you can go out and, and try out spending it. Um, and and buy some of the things that you need of course I'm, i assume there's certain things they're responsible for getting themselves like maybe clothes or something i don't know but the point being i'm going to give you a little bit of money but 
it's not for your chores. And he's saying, you know, you're, you're going to make your bed, you're going to clean the dishes, you're going to do these things around the house because you're a part of this family and you need to kind of carry your weight. And, and that's part of being a part of the family is doing the work that you need to do. And I was very appreciative for Mr. Feeler's ideas on this or his, his, the way he encapsulated this thought because it's something I've thought about a lot. I thought he did a good job of, of stating it succinctly. And everybody kind of knows that this, this, this misguided view of, of, of linking uh, money to work is flawed. It works, but it's definitely flawed. It falls apart in certain ways and in certain situations. We know that the people who earn the most money are not necessarily the ones who do the most work. And there's a whole discussion surrounding whether that's good or bad. What we know for sure is that it is what it is. It's part of the nature of existence and part of the nature of this world. Teachers and toilet cleaners and cooks are not going to earn as much as CEOs. And um, and there is a there is a flaw in this. We all kind of know this, especially when the society gets to the point where um, the teacher, the cook, the toilet cleaner can't survive in the society. They can't um, have a roof over their heads or heat in the winter um, because the, it just doesn't stretch far enough. It's also flawed with regards to the disabled, whether mentally or physically. If you had a child and the child was say quadriplegic, you wouldn't punish the child and say you can't have any money to do the things you want to do. You can't go on that field trip with your brothers and sisters because you can't work and earn an allowance. I mean, you could do that, but you'd be a kind of tyrant. <laughs> and so this is why all societies have had the idea of, of welfare. Perhaps not all societies, but only the most corrupt don't take care of their um, disabled. And the elderly, too, that's that's another one. So having money tied to work is problematic, and it starts in our very, when we're very young. And I, I love that this guy was talking about how specifically in families, because family is the integral, the, the primary unit of existence. It's the, the unit of existence. Um, it's just the way that we come to exist <laughs> is as a family. It's like it's biological. And um, and we have this this greater sense that there's a way in which we're all kind of brothers and sisters, whether you see it as um, the God of the Old or New Testament, whether you view that as we're all children of the universe or children of this strange process that we don't understand that is science and evolution and all of that. No matter how you view all that, there's a sense in which you can grasp that we're all in this together. We're all kind of part of a human family. So I love it that this guy takes us back to the earliest years and talks about our programming as children. And as children, we learn very early that money is tied to work. And we begin to think of in terms of, well, I'll go out and work because I need money. But there are many works which need to be done, which don't have, um, which cannot bring you money 
having children is a work that doesn't bring you money. It's a way to spend a lot of money. There are many works which um, are, are not tied to money. And in many instances, the work becomes corrupt wherein it gets um, intermingled with money. We can see this in caretaking, for example. For example, those that can afford health care get health care. And of course, governments are making, uh, instituting laws that provide for those who can't afford health care. Problem is, is that the vast majority can't. <laughs> so it's kind of a problem. But it tends to corrupt. So it's like, you know, whereas in the old days it was more familial, I'm going to take care of grandma and grandpa. Now you have some overwrought, busy nurse in a, in a you know, a nursing home who is doing the work so that she can get money. And she comes and maybe she's got stresses at home and she has to deal with too many patients. And so she's short-tempered and, and unable to fully love and, and help that person. Not, not because she, she may even want to, but because money has become involved and the, the, the nursing home has to, you know, keep so many patients and they can only afford so many nurses and et cetera, et cetera. It's like um, it, the, 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 whole, the whole work, the work of taking care of elderly people, and that to use that example, um, becomes corrupted to some extent um, and becomes, comes to have a little bit of an ugly side um, because um, money's involved. And, and the only way you can get people to do that work is to say, we'll give you some money to do this. And so I really loved this guy's attitude. I'm going to have my children do certain work, which they do because they're a part of the family. And I'm going to give them some money so they can try it out. In another video, I'd like to discuss his third um, principle, which I really liked, which is, um, is uh, he talked about um, allowing, allowing them to make mistakes with money. So we'll save that for another time. but. But I think that's an important part of it, too. So you give them this money so they can go out and try spending money <laughs> and make mistakes early so that they don't make the mistakes later. And of course, you do it if you do it early enough, then you're there to help and advise them and be a shoulder to cry on when they've spent it poorly or something. And I really find myself wanting to get this ingrained into my heart and mind. I realize often how much I am programmed in the old way, how much I, I have a tendency to, to give money when um, in reciprocation for something that somebody gives me. But I have the feeling that, the, that the chain, a change in this idea and way of thinking has the power to influence the world and change the world. One thing I should probably say here is that I'm not extolling the virtues of a welfare state. So often when we talk about this subject, our mind goes to public policy. And as most of the things I talk about, I'm not talking about a public policy. I'm talking about a personal policy. Putting these choices solely in the hands of government is a mistake. But it's a mistake I don't worry too much about because I still have choices even within the welfare state.
And what we really want is we want for each person to discover the sovereignty of right ideas. We want to discuss the truth which will make us free. Because even if the government takes half what I earn, I still have the other half. And when I began to understand these principles, then I become, in an essence, we become our own sovereign state. And we can act to one another as surrogate mothers and fathers. We get to choose those that we will carry on our backs. And by so doing, we open up the opportunity for others to understand these principles. And inevitably, most likely, we will discover ourselves, discover ourselves channeling our resources into those individuals within the human family who understand these principles. Because we know that they won't cons consume the gift upon their own scarcity. And so here comes to the reason, part of the reason I consider that perhaps this would be a beggar's bowl episode. We'll see if it ends up being. But I think part of the reason is that I've, I find myself feeling more and more uncomfortable asking for um, some sort of, re of compensation for the work that I'm doing. And I think that the reason is because I do this work um, simply because I'm a member of the human family. These ideas um, are gifts of God, you could say to me. It's like I, I, um, I have come upon them uh, through my, my own questions, like asking them of that unseen intelligence. And I would be remiss as a member of the family of God in not sharing the things that I have received. And so I seek to do so freely. I do a work, right? Like like the kids that make their own bed and clean the dishes and, and you know, help dad on Saturdays with the chores. It's like I, I do it because I'm a member of the human family. And if you happen to decide to drop 50 cents in the hat, it's kind of, in my mind, it has to be disconnected. It has to be because you sense who I am as a person. You sense your own um, connection to me as a person. And like a surrogate mother or father, you find yourself saying, you know, um, I love Jonathan as a member of the family. I want him to be able to continue to live, to have a bit of freedom in his life, to be able to decide you know, how he's going to use his resources. I, um, and part of that may be, may very well be that you look and you say, I love the things he's doing and I want to see those things prospered and, and continue. But of course, the underlying truth is that I can do most of this work without the means because most stuff is free nowadays. <laughs> you know, the YouTube channel is free. For now, the podcast channel is free. If I, if, you know, if I upgrade to certain things, then it would be, you know, like 10 bucks a month or something, something nominal, you know. And, of course, it does ease my way. Like, you know, like the next book I publish, I can, I can actually hire somebody to do the artwork so that it's more appealing to the people who, who you know, and people will choose it out of the, you know, millions of books they can choose off Amazon, so there, there, you know, there are good things that come 
out of um, helping me in that way, but I have a sense that you're not giving this 50 cents or two pennies or two dimes or whatever you give. You're not giving it so that I can do my work. The work is one thing, and money is something different. And if you do happen to decide to drop a couple quarters in my hat, I'm extremely grateful. And this leads me to, I think, the last principle. And that is that I, I, I get the feeling that this, this change in thinking, um, it brings a different sort of reaction, a different sort of mindset. It leads us to gratitude. So let's go back to the analogy that Mr. Bruce Feeler mentioned uh, with the family, with the children. And he decided with his own children, he separated chores from the money. So the kids wouldn't do the chores for the sake of the money. Well, think about it in these terms. If the children do the chores for the sake of the money, then when mom and dad give them money at the end of the week, there is a feeling, a sense in which the children believe and feel like they deserve it. And even if they feel a degree of gratitude for the money, it is dampered, it is diminished because of the sense that they deserve it, because of the sense that they earned it. And they can even feel indignant if mom and dad are late. Hey, last week passed, and you owe me $10, and it's already been 24 hours. Where's the $10? And so it can actually engender ingratitude. They can say, hey, I deserve a raise. You know, you paid me $10 when I was this young, and I'm doing more now, so I deserve a raise. If mom and dad, let's say, they fall on hard times, and they can't pay the allowance, well, now you have a situation where the child may feel that, they're, that, that, <laughs> that their parents are indebted to them. Hey, I did the work last week. I made my own damn bed. I probably shouldn't swear. I made my own bed and cleaned the dishes upon which I ate and helped to fix that part of the house in which I live. And now you're telling me that you losers don't have the $10, $20, $50, whatever it is that you owe me? And so now it can actually engender resentment in the children. Whereas, if the children do the work because work is a part of life, something to be rejoiced in, to be happy in, then they can sense a they can they're more inclined to sense a, a sense of gratitude for the work itself a sense of gratitude for the chance to help out number one not to say that they will but the opportunity is there because you're doing the work for the sake of feeling doing your part and feeling a satisfaction you're not doing it for money you're doing it for another reason and then the second part is that then mom and dad, out of the goodness of mom and dad's hearts, decide to also give me some money so that I can, you know, of course they could just give me food and clothing and shelter, and that's awesome because now I can live. But they can, if they give me money, well now, my goodness, I have some choices. 
I can decide how to spend this money. I can, I can go further whatever it is that I am interested in. And how good it is of mom and dad to give me this money. And even more if the amount fluctuates. That gives them more of a feeling. Oh goodness, mom and dad may be suffering a little bit right now. They can't give as much money. It's an interesting thought. And one that's worth thinking about as we consider how to spend our own money and in the moments when we get the opportunity to be, in an essence, surrogate parents for the lost children of God. If this ends up being a beggar's pole episode and if you happen to drop 50 cents in my hat, I'll take it in that spirit. I'll take it in the spirit that God, through some people who chose to be my surrogate mom and dad, chose to love me, chose to say, we hope that you can live. We hope that through this 50 cents or however much you feel to donate, we hope that through it you can flourish and be blessed with all of the good things of life and that you can do some good with it and through it. I'll receive it with gratitude in that spirit. That's my desire. All right, I think that's it for this time. So God bless.